today, we're going to be uh, continuing in our love series. You know, we've been talking about what the Bible has to say about love, because obviously during this current time, we've seen a real lack of love in our culture, haven't we? We've seen a lot of hatred and a lot of, um, a lot of disdain and a lot of division and separation and for a number of reasons, but the Lord is still calling us to love. And so we talked about in the beginning, uh, the first week we talked about first things first, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We talked about Jesus as our good Samaritan. Um, we talked about um, when, when David showed honor, we talked about love is honor to the little crippled boy. Um, invited him to the table. We've talked about encouragement. Kuule talked about trust. Um, we've talked about um, loving your enemies. And today we're going to talk about what I'm calling inconvenient love. You know, we have convenience stores. Um, people say oftentimes when they're apologizing, they're, they're like, I'm sorry to inconvenience you. But I want to say God never says that. He doesn't say, I'm sorry to inconvenience you. As a matter of fact, God calls us to an inconvenient love. He calls us to a love that costs us something. And we're going to talk about three aspects of inconvenient love today. We're going to talk about the fact that inconvenient love is self-denying. And inconvenient love is done in secret. And inconvenient love is sacrificial. How many of you are in? I can promise you that this is a word of the Lord to us today, and I really, really believe that there are those here who, um, this is an answer to a prayer that you've been praying, and I don't know what that is, but I believe God wants to answer your prayer through this word today. So, I heard a quote that I thought was really good. It says, love can be a feeling, but it is always an action. You know, it's one thing to love somebody and to feel these feelings of love, but if you never demonstrate that, how will the other person actually feel loved? Jesus gives us such great examples, and the Word of God gives us such a good model to know how to love. And we're going to start um, with talking about the inconvenience of denying oneself, the inconvenient love that is self-denying. St. Thomas Aquinas says, to love is to will the good of the other. I'm gonna say that again. To love is to will the good of the other. This means putting others before ourselves. This means preferring others better than ourselves. Jesus talks about this in John chapter 15, one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. John chapter 15, if you have your Bible with you, if you would open it up uh, to verse 12, John 15, 12, Jesus says, this is my command. Okay, now this is not a suggestion. This is a command. Whenever, whenever Jesus says this is a command, you should take it seriously, okay? This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. What Jesus is saying here is it's not good enough to just feel love. Love one another as I have loved you. And the way Jesus did that was to lay down his life. As it says in the following verse, no one has greater love than this to lay down his life. For his friends. And how many of you want to be friends with Jesus? Seriously? That's it? 
The rest of you, what do you want? (laughs) Jesus says this, you are my friends if you do what I command. He's saying, love each other the way I have loved you, laying down your life. Matthew 20, verse 26. Matthew 20, 26 says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. How many of you want to become great? Be honest. Come on. Raise them up. You, come on, you guys. You want to be great. Right? Oh, you don't like the implication here. The implication is if you want to be great, you must first be a, you know, this translation is, servant sounds kind of like, you know, you imagine the butler, you know, with the the white towel around his arm and wig. No, this is talking about a slave. This is talking about someone who has no rights whatsoever. That's actually what that word means. And the Bible says we are a slave to something. We are either a slave to evil or we are a slave to righteousness. And so this is what Jesus is saying. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your slave. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, if there's anybody that would deserve to be served, it would be the King of Kings, wouldn't it? the Lord of lords, the God of gods, the one who holds all power in his hands. And Jesus could have, I mean, realistically, he could have come to earth and demanded that people serve him. He could have, right? He is the the, the king of all kings. He could have come and said, you know what? I created everything. I created the heavens and the earth. I created you. And you should worship me. You should serve me. But instead... He came and humbled himself. He came and he became a servant. It says he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Um, Husbands, I'm waiting for my grace filter to kick in. Okay, I'll give it to you. Uh, I'm just gonna keep it real here. It says in Ephesians 4, it says, Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Shout out, guys, right? Amen? Come on, guys. Yeah. So as the church submits to Christ, so also should wives submit to their husbands. (laughs) I'm going to talk straight here, guys. We women call that the S word. Submit. Okay? Let's read on. (laughs) Husbands. This is the word of God. This is not my opinion, okay? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. Husbands, let me just give you a clue. If you were to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, gave himself up, gave up his own rights, gave her the remote once in a while, (laughs) if you were to love your wife like that, she would be a lot 
are willing to submit. Amen. Should I say that louder? If husbands love their wives, knowing that everything that the husband does is for her benefit, how much easier would it be for your wife to submit to you? Some of you won't even look me in the eye right now. <laughs> I get it. But for real, I have a really dear friend, and you know what his goal in life is? He said, my goal in life is to make my wife the happiest woman on the face of the earth. All the women are like, oh. All you men, that should be your goal. Your life would be so much better. Because that's what God's called you to, is to lay down your life as Christ left the church. Then your wife will respond by submitting to you, knowing that you have her best interest in mind. Does this sound sexist to anybody? It's the word of God. As I said, it says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her. Inconvenient, isn't it? It's an inconvenience sometimes. It's an inconvenience when your wife maybe um, wants you to actually just listen to her. Sometimes it's inconvenient. Or when your wife is telling you about a problem and you want to just fix it instead of just hearing her out. Okay, now women, we'll get to you too, but for now, husbands love your wife. <laughs> My husband used to say, oh, this is a... Utah scripture, husbands love your wives. Christ. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. So inconvenient love is self-denying, okay? Also, inconvenient love is secret. When you do your acts of service, it says here in Matthew 6, 6, it says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father in heaven. The Lord is calling us to love others inconveniently, secretly. Not so that they'll go, oh, thank you so much, but so that it's between you and the Lord. That, that rather than saying, I picked up your socks again, you do it. You pick wives, you pick the socks up, you put them in the hamper, and you say, thanks be to God. Instead of being ticked off or annoyed, doing it between you and Jesus, that's when you get your reward. And then it's kind of like this fun little thing between you and God. When you do something in secret, it makes it so rewarding because your Father in heaven is watching you. He's always watching you like it or not. And so when you're doing these things unto him, he's going to bless you. You're going to be rewarded. Okay? Ephesians 6, 7. This is a really important element of serving. It says, serve with a good attitude as to the Lord and not just to people. Again, if you do these things for someone else, just between you and God, it's so epic. It's so awesome. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, if you have never done this, I just encourage you. 
And I'm going to challenge you at the end of this message today, but I just want to encourage you, look for opportunities to bless somebody in secret. Okay? So, inconvenient love is self-denying. Inconvenient love can be done in secret. And inconvenient love is sacrificial. It costs something. Real love costs something if it's truly, truly love. Now, I want to address something here. I want to talk to those of you who may be codependent or those of you who are people pleasers. This is not talking about doing something to gain something back. So, you know, people pleasers or, or those who are codependent, they do it They serve, they lay down their lives, so to speak, but it's so that they'll get something back. It's so they'll get that person's love or they'll earn some kind of a reputation for being, you know, a servant or whatever. This is not about this. This is about sacrificing and having it cost something. And Jesus set the perfect example for this. In John chapter 13, if you would turn there, John chapter 13 starting with verse one. Now, if you've been a believer for any length of time, you, you know this section of scripture, but my prayer is that today, God would do something new. God would speak something new in a fresh way. Um, we were talking in our pre-service prayer this morning. Joe was talking about, um, you know how when God just like slips in a scripture that you've never read before and it's, you're like, wait, when did when did God put that in the Bible? The scripture he was talking about was, um, was around the time of, of Jesus' crucifixion when John Mark, it, he was a young man, and it says, and he ran away and he left his clothing. So he basically ran away naked. And Joe's like, I never read that. He goes, but that's, that's what it's like in our brokenness when we run away from Jesus and we're just, we're left naked vulnerable. So when Jesus, he's going to the cross here. This is John chapter 13. This is, this is his last night on earth. So keep this in mind. I mean, if you knew you had one day to live, you'd probably have all kinds of plans and all kinds of things that you would want to do. This is what Jesus chose to do. It says, before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. What this means is he loved them to the fullest extent. He demonstrated love to the fullest extent. And it says, now when the time, now when it was time for supper, the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. Judas, you know, I think that this section is put in here to show us that it isn't like, you know, Jesus is this victim. This is something Jesus chose to do. Jesus chose to give up his life. And Judas was just used in this situation. He's part of the plan. You know, it's sad. It's sad for Judas. It's sad to be Judas, but Judas was used in the sovereign hand of God to bring about the plan for Jesus to bring salvation to the whole world. So Jesus isn't, it's not like, oh, Jesus is, you know, he's this victim and he's just, he's caught behind the eight ball in this one. This is what was supposed to happen. And so it says, Jesus knew that the father had given everything into his hands 
that he had come from God and that he was going back to God. So he got up from supper, he laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel and tied it around himself. Now, a little backstory here. So on the way here to this dinner, the supper, the disciples are arguing about who is the greatest among them. Now, have you ever heard of the saying, the goat, greatest of all time? Jesus is actually the goat. (laughs) I mean, he's the lamb of God, but he's also the greatest of all time. And here, his disciples are arguing over which one's better. So Jesus, what he does, he takes off his outer clothing. He He was a rabbi. Jesus was dressed in these clothes But the Bible says that he is clothed in righteousness and majesty and in authority and all power and strength. And what Jesus did symbolically was he took off that, his authority and and his, what he could have demanded is their praise and their honor and their worship. He took off that clothing and he put on a towel which symbolized that he was acting as a servant. And it says that he just got down and he washed his disciples' feet. Now, when we hear this, I mean, we're like, yeah, it's not that big a deal. I've had a pedicure before. It's not like that. Back in those days, they walked around with open-toed shoes and they got all kinds of disgusting, gross stuff all over their feet. Usually, the lowest of the low, the lowest servant on the totem pole was the one who would wash the feet, the one who was the least. So here we have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords setting aside his robes of righteousness and getting down and demonstrating true servanthood washing the feet, washing off what they had attracted with their feet. You know, our feet represent our lives. Our feet represent where we've been. Our feet represent our experiences. So when Jesus is washing the dust off their feet, he's washing the dung off their feet. He's washing everything off their feet. And then Simon Peter Peter, he's, he's like, hey, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> You're not going to wash my feet, are you? And Jesus is like, yeah, I am going to wash your feet. And Simon Peter's like, no, no, you're not. I won't let you. Think about that. That guy, that's leadership out of control, isn't it? <laughs> he's like, no, I won't let you wash my feet. And Jesus is like, if you don't let me wash your feet, you'll have no part of me. And then Jesus is like, okay, good. Give me a whole bath. But Jesus is like, no, no, no. I've already washed you. Now I just need to wash the dust off your feet. What this is symbolic of is that, you know, if you have, if you've surrendered to Christ, if you've given your life to Christ, if you have received the forgiveness that he offers, when Jesus was sacrificed on the cross for our sins so that we could be reconciled to God, so that we could stand forgiven before God, that's called being born again. When you're born of the Spirit, And once you're born again, once you are saved, once you have come into a relationship with Jesus, you don't have to be saved again and again and again. 
But because we are sinners by nature and we still have this body of flesh, sometimes our feet need to be washed. Sometimes we need to be cleansed. And I just want to address shame at this moment because I really believe there are those of you who still struggle with shame. And maybe specifically because you've been looking at things online that are shameful and you're having a hard time receiving the forgiveness that Jesus offers you. You know, Jesus says that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us and to do what? To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The best thing you can do if you're struggling with shame, if you have secret sins, if you have, if you have unconfessed sin, is to bring it into the light. Confession just means agreeing with God about what's really going on. That's really what confession is. But if you confess to one another and pray, it says that you'll be healed, you'll be set free, you'll be delivered. And so I just wanna just encourage you, Jesus went to the cross for your shame. He went to, to the cross for your sin and you can be set free. I mean, we, have a, we, are, we are really um, focused on this in this church, in this family. We really wanna see people set free from addictions to porn, not just men, but women as well. And if you're struggling in this area, please let us know. Not so we can shame you or condemn you, but so we can get you the help you need. There are a lot of people that want to walk with you through this and you can be set free. Amen? It's hard to say amen, I know. (laughs) So Jesus, it says, he got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel, tied it around his waist, and it says, and then he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet and he dried them with the towel that was wrapped around his waist, symbolizing the transference. He's transferring that that servanthood, that attitude of a servant to his disciples. And that's what he's calling us to today. When Jesus had washed their feet, this is verse 12. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, so he washed their feet and then he put back on his outer clothing, he reclined again and then he said to them, do you know what I've done for you? And I feel like Jesus is asking us that same question today. Do you know what I've done for you? He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're speaking rightly since that's what I am. So if I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do just as I have done for you. Truly, I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master, and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, check this out. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Now, 
Now you know these things. Now you can be blessed. Now you can have this reward that if you do these things in secret and you serve others and you wash their feet and you, and, and you symbolize and you, and you model forgiving and you model humbling yourself and laying down your life and sacrificing this inconvenient love that denies itself, that is done in secret, that, it, that is sacrificial. It says if you do these things, you'll be blessed. How many of you want to be blessed by God? 14 of you. How many of you want to be blessed by God? All right, raise your hands. Let's worship. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. If you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I just want to challenge you this week. Look for opportunities to bless. Look for opportunities to sacrifice, to give up your time, to give up your money, to give up maybe sleep, to give up something to bless another person. And not so that they recognize it and not so that you get something back, but just between you and your daddy. Just between you and daddy. And then it says he'll reward you. You'll be blessed. Amen? Can we stand and can we pray and give this to the Lord? I just want to say, true love costs something. It costs Jesus. Let's look for opportunities. Maybe look for one opportunity every single day this week where you can just give up your own agenda and let someone else be blessed. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we come before you, Lord. We thank you that your ways are right. All your ways are true. Lord, we thank you that your thoughts are not our thoughts. Your ways are not our ways. Your ways are so much higher than ours. Lord, and we don't understand your ways, but God, we trust that, Lord, if we do what you're calling us to do, that that you will reward us, that we will be blessed. And so, Father, we just humble ourselves right now before your mighty hand. Lord, thank you that you set the example. You showed us how we can humble ourselves. Lord, you showed us how we can lay down our lives for others. Thank you for your example, Lord. Thank you that you've called us to be slaves to righteousness. Let us be that this week. Lord, let us bless people. Let us lose our lives for our friends, for our families, even for our enemies, Lord. Pour out your spirit on each one of us. We just receive your spirit, Lord. We receive your way of thinking. In Jesus' name. And now if you're a person who... um, you have never surrendered to Christ. You have never been forgiven. You've never received the forgiveness for what Jesus offered on the cross. I just want to encourage you, talk to the person that brought you today or come up and talk to me. Or if you're, uh, if you're watching online, uh, go on our Facebook page and reach out and say that you want to get more information about this or call our church office or come in, whatever it is. But we want to help you begin that journey with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So God bless you all. We'll see you next week. Go out and do something inconvenient this week. Amen?